Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Port Podcast, episode 154. Benjamin Yoder here today. Talked about video games, although no news this week, really. I went through the, the what happened this week, and nothing really jumped out at me. Obviously, there's that new Paper Mario game. Um, I think everything I have to say about that game has probably already been said on the internet. Uh, I pretty much reflect everybody else being like, hey, this looks good, but the last three have been, have not at least met fans' expectations. I can't really speak too much for myself on, on how those games have evolved. Um, I did play a little bit of Sticker Star, but I didn't love it either um, when I played that. So, But I didn't play through it all, so I, I'm a little hesitant to to criticize it too much. Uh, but some, someday I would like to sit down and, and get through Sticker Star. But I'm, I don't plan on picking up Origami, uh, whatever it is, Origami Killer. It's just Mario running around screaming Jason in Luigi Mansion style. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah. Uh, but that's really all really I noticed for news this week. Um, and then I haven't really played a ton of new stuff. Or what is new hasn't been very... Um, I either haven't, haven't put a lot of time into it or it hasn't been that exciting. In uh, multiplayer stuff, I went ahead and played Alien Swarm Reactive Drop, which is the sequel to Alien Swarm, which I talked a little bit about a couple podcasts ago. Uh, it's like a top-down shooter kind of thing uh, that's very multiplayer-focused. You can do up to eight players. It's kind of kind of interesting. Um, but we're playing with just uh, three people right now. And uh, it's almost identically the same game, uh, even down to the UI and everything. Uh, it even includes missions from the first game, too. So, you know, it's not particularly... <laughs> anything special to say it's it's a very cooperative game has kind of like a, a team team or friendly fire uh, mechanic that kind of makes you be a bit more cautious with your shots and if you play on hard it, it is a pretty challenging game we're on we're on hard difficulty right now but you can adjust it if you want to but uh it sounds like the the people i'm playing with right now uh are interested in trying to beat it in hard mode which is perfectly fine by me i don't mind a little challenge especially in like a cooperative setting uh, but really, nothing nothing to really say about that. It's kind of is what it is. It's, it's, it's nothing nothing super special. Um, I haven't put a lot of time into it, but I did start playing uh, Dragon Marked for Death with uh, with Tim a little bit, and uh, I'm enjoying enjoying that a lot actually. I'm um, one of the things that I always kind of regretted about Castlevania uh, Portrait of Ruin is that the multiplayer mode in that was just not good. I mean, it wasn't. It was just almost non-existent. Honestly, it was like you you could clear five rooms and and set a, a time attack score for clearing those five rooms. It's the same five rooms every time, same enemy layouts, everything like that. So it wasn't really multiplayer mode. It was almost like a proof of concept of yes, we can do this. Uh, and Drag Dragon Mark for Death is definitely not a Castlevania game, but it does feel more like an action platformer kind of game. And it, and it's pretty. You can pretty much play through the entire game in multiplayer, um, as far as I can tell, at least from what we've played so far. Uh, all the quests sync up with the main story. Story, so you can go ahead and play through those uh, with everybody uh, in the group, and and I've been I've been enjoying it. There's a, there's some minor menu stuff that I haven't uh, loved, like some things that are inconvenient, like having to unequip uh, weapons to upgrade them and things like that. But it's it's all been very minor complaints. But we've only hit put about like I think four hours into it so far. I imagine that's going to be a lengthier game. I I never really looked into see how long the single player story was, so. I'm not sure how long it will be, but but I'm really enjoying it so far, and I'm, I'm glad I glad I got someone to play it with. That was my biggest concern with Dragon Mark for Death was that nobody would want to play it, um, which uh, which uh, out of most of the people I talked to about it, they they did not seem particularly interested in, in checking it out. So it's it's a good time to use my Nintendo Online subscription, I suppose, uh, and and spend some time with that also uh, one thing i didn't mention in uh, panel de pawn came out on nintendo switch online or, or will be coming out soon 
which is which is kind of fun. Uh, but I've always been terrible at panel bond pond, so so I don't know if I'll really invest much time into it. Uh, we'll see. I have it in Animal Crossing New Leaf as like a an unlockable special mode, and then um I played the uh what was it Yoshi Yoshi's Tetris or something like that. I forget what it was called. Uh, the 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 t- panel de pond that was reskinned with Yoshi on Super Nintendo. I played that a little bit too. Um, but I'm, I've always been kind of bad at puzzle games, to be honest with you. So, so yeah. Uh, and then I've also been playing uh, The Wizard of Oz Beyond the Yellow Brick Road again. If you didn't know, I went ahead and started to plan on doing a video for Wizard of Oz Beyond the Yellow Brick Road. Uh, so that is is on the way. But I have to record playing that game through emulator, which unfortunately is not great. Um, you know, it's it's usable. There's enough usable footage that I think I won't have too much trouble with with cutting a video together for it. Uh, but just from like a control perspective, a a how it runs perspective, how it sounds perspective, it's all pretty rough. Um, I it'd be really nice if I had a DS capture card, but there's not really a lot of options out there today. And the options that are out there are all like being resold and are very expensive. So uh, I don't I don't know when I'd ever get around to that. But I'm gonna try to try to cut you know kind of creatively. I did find a way to kind of control it better by using a Windows Surface tablet. Uh, that I took from work temporarily and then connecting it to my PC and using that as a remote display and then using the touchscreen on that to control the touchscreen in the, the emulator. And it worked better than using the mouse, but at the same time, I also ran into some other issues with like audio and stuff when I started doing that. So I don't know if I want to sit there and try to fight to get this thing working when I've already played through half the game just using the mouse. So I think I'll just finish it off using the mouse, live with it, and then make a video and just have a lot of caveats at the beginning of the video. Like, hey, this game's not running properly. Hey, this game doesn't sound properly. I might just not even use any of the direct audio, to be honest. And then also, hey, I'm, I'm controlling this a weird way, so it might look weird when I move around. <laughs> So got a big long disclaimer at the start of that video. I gotta I gotta read off, unfortunately. So, so yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't really, but I haven't really, uh, I, I haven't really played any more Sparkling Feather at this point. I did listen to some podcasts because the reason I'm playing for Sparkling Feather for the PCFX, as you know, is that upcoming podcast for the PCFX, and uh, I'm trying to get some direction on how to handle like an entire console. On a, on a podcast, I haven't really done something like that before. So far, the past cases that we've talked about have been on the uh, multi-tap podcasts have been particular topics or individual games. Um, so ent- covering an entire console is a bit of a different thing uh, because we're talking about the entire library. And the PCFX library is very small, which kind of works both for its benefit and against it because it's so small you kind of want to talk about everything but also 60 games is still way too much to talk about in a podcast so so i'm trying to figure out some direction and and if you don't know multi-top podcast for me is basically like i like retronauts so i'm gonna do something that feels similar to retronauts or at least try to whether or not i get there or not is different or whether or not i get there or not is another thing but um also i don't think my my speaking presentation i don't think how i talk uh very much fits the retronaut style either i'm very very sloppy with my words, um, but but uh, so I've just been listening to some retro podcasts. I listened to the one with about the Saturn that they did. That one sounds a lot closer to what I might try to aim to do. Um, just kind of give a brief history of the system and the types of games that showed up on it, and then you know then talk about the games that are that stand out. I listened to also their Nintendo sixty four podcast, and that one was more about the cultural impact of the sixty four. And I don't really, I don't think I really have a ton of interest talking about like why the PCFX ended up where it did on I mean I think that's a good context to have and I think we will talk about that a little bit but I don't want to dedicate 45 minutes of a podcast about why the PCFX failed or something like that so so yeah but Sparkling Feather's been put to the side for now hopefully spend a little bit of time with it this week 
A couple other things I can go over here too is I actually picked up uh, a handful of games from uh, Japan Retro Direct, which is uh, Vink's, Vink's website. And unfortunately, as you know, during the COVID-19 stuff is that shipping is kind of uh, not great right now. <laughs> so I ordered this stuff, but it's like scheduled to get here in three months. So no, no time soon. Um, but I, I picked up Deep Freeze for the PS1, which is basically kind of like this, um, I guess, like top-down uh, breach shooter it's kind of it's kind of weird. It's like an action Resident Evil kind of thing. I, I don't know how to explain it. I'll talk about it more when I actually talk about it on a pickups video or something. But it looks a little weird. I think you might just have to see it to, to understand what it is. I also got some anime based game called Mahosukai Kurohime, um, which is kind of like a third person shooter, but it, it plays more similar to like a gun gauge. It has a, a big focus on movement and auto targeting and things like that, and just kind of shooting while you while you dodge and things like that. I also picked up After School Love Beat, which is an Otome rhythm game. Don't know much about that other than just that it's an Otome rhythm game. I really picked it up because it has that rhythm game element to it. I already have a Hunex Otome game that I haven't played through, so so I don't really want to pick up just a bunch of Otome games for no reason, um, or at least ones that I can't actually interact with much other than just looking at the Japanese text and be like, oh yeah, she probably likes him. He's probably hot. <laughs> <laughs> and I also picked up a game called Battle Bomb Poi Poi, which is a simple series game. It's like a weird 3D Bomberman kind of thing. It, it looks really goofy and kind of uh, erratic in, in, in its presentation. So I, I don't know much about that one yet, but we'll, we'll see. We'll definitely take a, a closer look at those at some point, either during a pickups video or sometime on a stream or something like that. So one thing that I started doing this week, and I kind of, and this is kind of what's kind of kept me from working on too much, honestly, uh, for better or for worse, is... If you don't know, I've got a lot of like unfinished projects and stuff around the house, apartment, I guess, of things that I set aside. It's like, this would be a cool idea and uh, would like to 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 do something with this someday uh, and haven't necessarily done. So I just kind of was going to go through some of those things. Some of these are, are more gaming related than others. Other ones might just be more generally technology related or in the case of one. Uh, if you saw last week, I put a Disaster Day of Crisis poster in the background of my room. I have a giant wall with nothing on it. And I've had this poster forever, and I have such a hard time finding a poster for this frame. I was like, screw it. I'm just going to put some little <laughs> some little sticky tags on them and stick it on the wall. And, you know, it doesn't really make sense where it is. It's kind of just on this giant wall right now. Uh, but there's something on the wall, something to break up the big the big white space. Uh, I figured, worst case scenario, I could just take the sticky tags back off and frame it someday if I really wanted to have something that was more presentable. But for now, if you go look at the last stream, you can see Raymond Bryce hanging out in the background. It's a Swedish poster, actually, but it's all in English, which I found out recently. Um, I, I watched this a Swedish streamer called uh, uh, Linkus, who does Wind Waker runs. He also does Breath of the Wild runs, too, but I'm not a big fan of Breath of the Wild speed runs. Um, they're, they're kind of samey to me, but I'm sure, I'm sure if I watched them enough, I would, I would, I would appreciate them more. Uh, but he, he, he was talking about actually recently on his stream that like uh, a lot of Swedish stuff is just also in English or primarily, primarily in English. Um, so it's like very easy to learn the language while you're there kind of thing. Um, but yeah, this poster, even though it's a Swedish poster is entirely in English. So, so that's up on the wall. And I also, uh, kind of cleaned up a couple of tablets that I had hanging around. Uh, one was an old Tegra Note 7 that I got. Um, and the thing with the Tegra Note 7 is that they updated the firmware on it and it basically busted the thing, uh, when they updated the firmware and they basically were like, whoops, and then just left it dead. Uh, so I used it for about a year and I, I generally enjoyed using it. Um, you know, it's pretty old now, so I assume the, the functionality today is a lot less, but 
it would be nice if I could get it to a point where it was like actually just functional first and foremost and didn't like freeze every time you basically launch it up. Um, but you have to like downgrade the custom firmware and I've never jailbreak an, an, an Android device before. So I was trying to figure that out. And unfortunately I was able to get a lot done with that. I spent a lot of time trying to figure it out and I kind of put it down cause it was just eating up so much time and I didn't really have a clear goal with it. Like, yes, I can get it working. So it's not completely useless, but for what reason, <laughs> I mainly just don't want to like, just keep it just to keep it, you know, like I, I would like if I'm going to keep it, have it working at least. And then I can determine, you know, whether or not it's something of value, uh, which is probably the answer is probably no, but it's a fun experience to try to learn, to figure out that stuff. Uh, it's always fun to learn how to crack a console and things or crack a platform, I guess, and things like that. Um, but I just don't have a lot of experience with that. I'm sure it's very easy and I'm just being dumb or something. Um, and I also have a, uh, a windows eight tablet that, uh, that I took from the office because it was in the junk pile cause it wasn't powering on. And I was able to figure out why it wasn't powering on, which was basically just the power supply that was with it was the wrong power supply. And so, um, so once I connected it with the correct power supply, uh, it could boot up. And, and so I went ahead and, and, and reformatted that got it running windows 8.1. It can't run windows 10. The processor's not compatible. Um, so I might try to see if I can use that in my kitchen or something, just to have it there so when I'm cooking I could just play something on there <laughs> rather than using my phone again not really a big deal to get it working uh, but it's also just as easy as reformatting it running updates and then now it's pretty much in a working state and Windows 8.1 is still technically supported in, I think until next year or something um, so yeah I could just have it there and I don't know have it there <laughs> like, not, not a lot to it other than that at this point so there's just some things that were hanging around I was like I want to do something with this um, and so the other thing, and this is more gaming related now is, uh, I had a box of controllers. My sister sent me, sent me, uh, when I was, she was sending her games or sending my games to me, one of the boxes had just a bunch of old controllers. And, uh, I don't know if they worked. I assume they did not work, uh, because all the controllers, I believe that did work. I think I brought out here intentionally when I moved to Vegas and then I left the other ones in Georgia that didn't work. Um, so those are out here now. And so that, or if, I, if they, if they did work there, I didn't really have a need for them. Um, so for example, I have some Wii remotes, but they're like vanilla Wii remotes, you know, no Wii Motion Plus or anything like that. But I already have three Wii Motion Plus supported controllers. I have a Zelda one and two black ones. Um, and so these original Wii remotes, I don't really have a lot of use for them because I already have three Wii Motion Plus ones, but I still have them. Uh, but so a lot of these controllers are also kind of grungy. <laughs> So um, I went ahead and and kind of opened them up, cleaned them out. They were they were pretty gross on the inside. Uh, something had gotten on them at some point, I believe. That was like not just like my hand filth from when I was younger. Uh, it looks it looks kind of gross. So I I did have to do some some real cleaning on those. And you know they're white controllers, so the the the, the yellowing definitely stands out. And so I tried to clean it up as much as I could. I did you know toothbrush, rubbing alcohol. I did some, some more soapy water on some of the parts because I opened it up. I could kind of like soak the different, you know, plastic uh, parts of the, the Wii remote and things like that and, and kind of really clean it up. Um, so I'm actually pretty happy with the results. There was some stuff on there, like some of the uh, edges on the inside of the controller, like there's the, the seam where the controller, you know, sticks together, you know, basically. Um, some of those even though I rubbed them down really hard with Q-tips and like a, a brush and everything, I couldn't get them to like unyellow. 
Um, and I also found that the backs of the Wii remotes seem to be quite yellow. And I did some research on this, and it seems like the theory may be that the um, if you're familiar with the the Wii rubber cover, which some people would call like the Wii remote condom, uh, it's basically like this rubber cover that covers the Wii remote. So if you throw the Wii remote at your TV, it won't break it as much, or is less likely to break it because it has this you know soft rubber uh, stuff around it. And I think some some of the theories online see the point that if you left a white Wii remote in one of those covers, uh, it would discolor the plastic through a chemical reaction, and it would become slowly become yellow. And so you can see the front of the Wii remote is white, while the back is yellowing. And that's definitely true on my Wii remotes. Um, I think also the front of the Wii remote also might be made of a slightly different material from the back. back. I, I'd have to pick one up and look at it again to see if that's true. But yeah, so this, some of that stuff was yellowing, but some of it was just, you know, stuff that over the years sat there long enough that it got gross. Um, it's been, you know, sitting in a closet for five years and I, I don't know what's going on. And I will tell you right now, I've got like skin, the skin sheddiest hands and I do a lot better job these days, like cleaning up my hands like more often washing my hands more frequently, lotioning them up, and also, you know, cleaning my controllers after I use them because my hands just are like, oh God, all the skin's going to come right off. <laughs> um, so I, I've gotten a lot better about that when I was younger, not so much, and those controllers got kind of gross. So I've been doing a lot of this, the cleaning out. The Wii remotes in particular were, were pretty bad. So I got about half of those cleaned. I haven't tested them yet to make sure they're still working. <laughs> I probably should uh, before I clean more to make sure I'm not doing some damage. But at the same time, if they're not working well, I already got, <laughs> got Wii Motion Plus Wii remotes uh, as well to, to, to solve that. One thing I did do, and I, I don't know how other people would feel about this, but um, so like I said, some of the yellowing on the plastic uh, was just kind of there and I couldn't really get rid of it. And, um, you know, I would love to do retro writing, but the reality is, is that it's not an option for me today. And, you know, something like the Wii remote, I, I don't know if I really want to do that. Also, there's like metal contacts on the back of the Wii remote. I don't know if that would be, you know, damaged by being submerged in water. From what I read online, people were like, don't submerge that metal in water. So that's probably a good thing to not do. Um, so anyway, so one thing I did do, and it, because it was in the seams of the controller uh, that you weren't really touching, I, I took like a, a small flathead screwdriver and basically like kind of scratched off the top layer of the plastic to to uh, lessen the the amount of yellowing that was there. And so obviously I'm actually tearing plastic off the controller in that case, but because it's in the seams, it doesn't feel... Um, it doesn't look as bad or, or really the, the biggest concern I have doing that on like the surface of a controller is like if you felt it, you'd feel that different in texture. And so I, I did a little bit of, of cleaning up in there, just kind of scratching some of the plastic away in there to kind of reduce the amount of yellowing that was in that area. And I think it generally looks good. I think if you do get really close and inspect it, you can see kind of the rough nature of the plastic inside that seam. The seam's a little wider, but it didn't seem to affect the ability to like connect the controller, keep it together. Although one thing that I saw, um, um, so when you open the Wii remote, there's like these two clips on top and I have no idea how to get these clips open like normally. Uh, it's it's very hard and uh, both the Wii remotes I opened, one of the clips broke and every guide online I saw said like, gently press a flathead screwdriver against the side of the Wii remote to to unclip this clip. And I tried to do that 
and it, it didn't seem to do anything. And like, if I did try to get like more in a nook and cranny area to do that, it tend to damage the the uh, seam a bit. So eventually, I was like, eh. It seemed like it's it, it held together fine with only one clip in place, and then you also screw the thing back together. So both my controllers so far have had uh, a clip broken on the inside, but it doesn't seem to cause too much trouble so far, at least. Um, so so yeah, we'll see. I haven't tested those to make sure they worked yet. I also worked on, oh, and, and before I leave the, the Wii controller uh, discussion, one other thing I had were Wii wristbands. Same thing there. They were just yellowed. So what I did with that is I just did like a um, dish soap kind of thing. I just soaked the um, the straps in dish soap. And that has even helped with the strap itself, like the actual cloth part that would go around your wrist. And uh, and that really cleaned those up so they're more of a green color now after I let them soak for, for probably about six hours. Um, but the little... Uh, uh, I don't know what you would call it. It's like a little piece that connects to the actual Wii remote. It's like a thicker piece of, of fabric, but it's not like, you know, it's not like a the big yarny kind of part of it. Great, great description here. Uh, but like the other part of the Wii remote that kind of connects to the Wii remote, those were also discolored. And uh, I the, the soapy water didn't seem to be doing anything for those. So what I did with that was... Um, I took a uh, all-purpose cleaner with like a bleach solution in it and kind of submerged that part in there. And I, I had some luck with it. I let the one submerge overnight and I just tested on one to make sure I didn't like ruin it or something. Uh, and that seemed to work very well so far. Uh, so I went ahead and put the other ones in there. I don't know if it's going to cause any long running damage, but I also have three new wrist straps in like in their wrapping still already. So if I do accidentally destroy them and make the, the little ties too brittle, I'm not really too concerned about that because I have replacement ones. Also, I'm mainly using my black Wii remotes at this point. Um, so <laughs> like again, these Wii remotes, I'm fixing them, but when will I ever use them? Who can say? Um, or I don't know if you want to say fixing them, cleaning them up. Uh, the one thing that, that I would, I am kind of curious whether or not they got, they will function better is the nunchuck port. I had those nunchuck ports kind of stop being reliable and staying connected to the nunchuck. So a lot of times when I was playing a game, I'd get the nunchuck disconnected mission or message briefly, uh, while it thought the, the connection was uh, disabled. So I went ahead and tried cleaning out the, um, the like connector there with like some rubbing alcohol and some of the, like, I don't know what you would call it. Is it corrosion? Like the green stuff, uh, came out of there. So I, I did wipe that up with rubbing alcohol and a Q-tip and that seemed to help in terms of at least the visible, visible, uh, you know, stuff on the actual, uh, connector, but whether or not that will help with, you know, actually making it function properly. I don't know. We'll see. I'll, I'll test it out in a bit here. And I also opened some nunchucks up, but I didn't do nearly as much as the deep clean with those because they seemed a little harder to take apart. Um, so I basically just kind of cleaned up the seams on those, did the similar thing that if there's a little bit of yellowing on the inside, I could kind of like scratch away. Although the yellowing on the nunchucks did not seem nearly as bad. And that may be because if that rubber condom thing or rubber, you know, <laughs> cover thing for the Wii remote uh, was discoloring the plastic, the nunchucks don't have a rubber cover. So that could be why um, that those didn't yellow nearly as much. The only thing that's really yellowed on them for me is the uh, top of the thumb, uh, the thumbsticks. Those have yellowed. I tried kind of bleaching those but I didn't spend a lot of time on it because I was a little worried how much it would damage it and I don't have replace replacement thumbsticks so maybe I'll revisit that someday but uh, I just kind of looked to see if it had any impact on it couldn't really tell so I just wrenched it off and, and put it back in there 
And I, I did a handful of other controllers too. Uh, Nintendo 64 controllers. I had an old green Nintendo 64 controller that had a dead analog stick from when I was a kid. It was my main 64 controller back then. And basically the up input on the analog stick didn't work anymore. Uh, so I did a little research and found you can kind of just switch out the analog sticks on those things without any problem. They're basically just little, uh, little connectors you can pull apart and then replace the analog stick with. Uh, but when I looked up online at the analog sticks that are out there, I mean, there's not really any officially manufactured part yet. So you basically got to go gut another Nintendo 64 controller uh, to replace those. And then there are some uh, third-party replacement stuff, uh, and those seem to vary kind of wildly in terms of quality and and how they, they perform. And, you know, it seemed like no matter what you did, you never got something that was nearly as good as an actual Nintendo 64 analog stick. Uh, but basically what I ended up focusing on was getting the one that functionally functioned the best. So it's like, oh, yes, the stick feels different. The plastic feels cheaper, like that kind of stuff. But the actual degrees of movement um, seemed to be most accurate. I got the, uh, I think it's called Retro Repair uh, optical uh, Nintendo 64 stick replacement. So I ordered that. I haven't actually got it yet to put it in the controller. So what I did do in the meantime was just make sure I could do this properly. Uh, and I took one of my older gray controllers that I had that did have a functioning stick and I put it in this green controller. And uh, it seemed to work fine. I, I tested a little bit of Castlevania 64 with it. So, and it, it worked pretty well. So I'll probably leave that, that analog stick in that green controller, then replace the, the gray controller with the, the, the new optical one, test it out, see how that works. Uh, I figured worst case scenario, you know, even if the optical stick isn't up to snuff of a regular Nintendo 64 controller, uh, the the analog stick I had in that existing 64 controller was basically useless anyways. So at least I'll have four controllers again in case I need to do some multiplayer gaming on my Nintendo 64, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I had two great Nintendo 64 controllers, but I can only find one actually. So I, I had noticed that like, uh, my controllers were a little spread out in a way I was not not aware of, so I had to do a little bit of consolidating of controllers and things like that, making sure they're in places that I could find them a bit easier. So, so yeah, and then I have um another GameCube controller I can go ahead and clean up, and 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 I haven't really touched that one yet. But GameCube controllers I've done in the past cleaned up. There are two GameCube controllers I have that have a slight drift problem with the analog stick. And those, I cleaned them up and they seem to work, but then recently I tried them again and they have the drift problem again. And I haven't really used them, so I don't think it's a dirtying kind of thing. Um, so I think maybe just the, the, the stick component inside the controller needs to be replaced overall. Uh, but I looked into how to replace that and that requires soldering on the GameCube controller. So that's kind of put on hold for now. I do, I would like to learn how to solder. It seems like getting a soldering kit is not that expensive to get something, you know, fairly cheap. So, and that's something I've kind of wanted to mess around with for a while. Uh, especially in the cases of like, you know, eventually, if like my PCFX needs to have its like laser replaced at some point, I'd be able to be capable of doing that to some degree. That would be nice, or at least be on the road to being capable to doing that. <laughs> so, so yeah, I don't know, but uh, I need to buy a cheap soldering kit and 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 do that. And then I also have some PlayStation One and PlayStation Two controllers sitting around. Some of them are third party that were in that box too. I haven't opened those up yet or tested them yet. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's some problems with them. I think one of them might be on the PlayStation 2 controller that one of the L1 and R, R1 buttons have a broken component on the inside, which just causes the button to get jammed, and I don't think there's anything I can really do about that, but I'll open it up, take a look, uh, see see what makes the most sense with those. I, I have done with the PS2 controllers where I harvested them in the past to basically create a new functioning controller, so I actually have a bag somewhere in here 
um, <laughs> that that has a bunch of PlayStation 2 controller parts in there, third party and first party. So so we'll see if I have to actually go down that route <laughs> and uh, and and Frankenstein some more controllers together. But I just kind of want to, you know, get some of this stuff working, even if I don't need it. At least it's not sitting in a box just being grungy, you know. <laughs> I would like them to be, you know, relatively useful to some degree. So, yeah. And that's kind of all I've been doing. So not, not a lot. I mean, a lot going on, but not a lot, um, I would say, productive work in terms of, you know, the podcast and the video, which is really what I should be working on more than anything. But I think I was just getting a little antsy about some of the stuff that was sitting around my house. And and I was like, I want to clean some, like, clean this room up, but there's just, like, a bunch of junk in here, and I have plans for this junk, things like that. So so in saying that, though, one thing we might end up doing uh, between after this stream and the next stream is if I can find a reliable guide uh, to follow to replace the DVD drive on my Wii, um, I might go ahead and have that as a stream uh, fairly soon. Uh, so I'll, I'll try to plan that out, and hopefully we can do something with that. Um, so, yeah. That's kind of it. We're, we're at 30 minutes here, but I'm going to I'm gonna touch on a couple th- other things because I did watch some stuff this week that was kind of interesting. Um, well, actually, one of these things is from last week. Uh, one is the... I'm going to... Brutal, I'm going to brutalize this pronunciation, I'm sure. Uh, Debutante Detective Corps, um, which is, if you don't know, you've, if you've been watching the stream, the, uh, the Ososamu... <laughs> Ojosama Sosomu... Oh my god, all these things I cannot say. Uh, that PCFX game. Uh, this is an OVA that actually comes pl- takes place before that game. And actually, I found out that the game actually opens with scenes from that OVA, like actual animations from that that thing. So I don't know what came first. I need to look at the release dates of those and see what came around initially. Uh, but that was an OVA for that. It's like 24 minutes, and the first 12 minutes are a little slow, basically just introducing each of the characters. Uh, but I think the last 12 minutes is really good. It's really like over the top and goofy in a way that it's like we have 24 minutes to make this OVA and we have 12 minutes to tell the actual story <laughs> so so it's i think it's it's it, it does a good job for what they're working with honestly uh, but i enjoyed it it's really kind of silly there's like one part where this dude just keeps growing for no real apparent reason and like the girl fighting him just keeps getting tinier and tire tinier against him to the point that she's like <laughs> he's like punching at her and her, she's like using her whole body to stop his fist it's just like oh it's just it's just really goofy and fun um I think it's on YouTube if you really want to go look at look it up or something like that. Uh, but I enjoyed that. Um, it was kind of expensive. I think I spent like 25 bucks on the OVA. But it's here. I have it forever. Until the disc rot sets in. <laughs> um, then I watched a uh, video game store documentary called Not For Resale. And uh, I enjoyed it uh, for the most part. It's basically just a documentary about, uh, you know, game stores. Who's running these, you know, more high profile game stores. How they kind of led to running those stores and then also the challenges they're facing and then just like a general discussion about you know modern games how you know digital distribution updates and things like that kind of uh cause problems for preserving games or in case of places you know with little internet um you know it, it causes problems in terms of people updating their systems things like that so so it's just like kind of a general conversation about you know old video games new video games and you know preserving them you had you know the uh, Frank Cifaldi on there being like, oh no, video games, we need to do something about it. If you don't know, Frank Cifaldi's the video game uh, history foundation dude. And then also um, um, there was someone at the Library of Congress, I think, that was there talking about like how the Library of Congress uh, preserves games. So it's, it's interesting stuff, maybe nothing new per se, but you get to see some faces of the people kind of handling this stuff, get to know some of the details, get to see some, you know, some cool shops, things like that. Um, so 
It was good. It was it was good overall. I, I enjoyed it. That's going to do it for this week. Thanks for coming. Per usual, One Control Port is the website. Uh, last week, I had the Keith Cijo podcast I did where we talked about budget game selling and buying and things like that. Uh, I want to thank Keith again for coming on. And I, I had a lot of good fun with that. I had a good time talking about you know, what, what kind of games we buy. I, I know sometimes like my, my tip of like, Hey, you can get cheap games if you buy games nobody wants. <laughs> it's, it's not exactly a uh, thing that people are, are super excited to hear. you know, you're not going to get the, the, the big hits for, for a cheap price, but you can find some interesting stuff. So, so hopefully my, my point of that came across in that podcast. I think it was also just really fun to have Keith talk on or come on you know, talk about what his strategies are for selling games and how he kind of trades up to get more expensive things and things like that. So, so if you haven't watched that podcast, uh, that went up last week, you can find it on the YouTube channel or on the website as either a video or audio. Um, in terms of content coming up, uh, you know, podcast goes up every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, and then we'll be streaming on Thursday at 7, 7 p.m. Pacific time, playing some more uh, Ojo-sama Sosomu. Uh, so that's, that's coming up. And I think what I'm going to try to do this Friday, if you don't know, <laughs> Friday's my birthday. So the only reason I'm, I usually would not stream for my birthday. Um, or at least, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go out of my way to stream for my birthday. But, uh, Friday is also the Peach Beach Splash, um, uh, stream. Uh, or Peach Beach Splash, uh, multiplayer day where, where people play Peach Beach Splash for like one to two hours. Um, and I've been enjoying that these last couple weeks, still having a good time with it. And I, I kind of have been wanting to stream it. So this is a good excuse to go ahead and stream it. And it's like, Hey, it also falls my birthday. So, <laughs> so I can have a little peach peach flash stream for myself. Um, hopefully it's not just me sitting in a matchmaking room by myself, the loneliest birthday. Um, uh, but yeah, so I figured I'd do, I'd do that. And then I guess just not deny the fact that it's my birthday and just, have fun with that concept, I guess. I really don't care if you tell me happy birthday. It's fine. <laughs> Most of my birthdays, I'm a, I'm, I'll am ai be a 30-year-old man. Most the birthdays don't matter anymore. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, that might be happening at a Friday at 7 o'clock Pacific time as well. Just so happened to match up with the normal time for my stream, just on a different day. <laughs> so, so, I'll plan on trying to do that as well. Uh, and then, hopefully, hopefully, we'll have some content coming up here um, uh, somewhat soon. I'll definitely keep you guys updated on the Wizard of Oz uh, video and how that's coming along. Uh, and hopefully get something nailed down for this PCFX uh, stream. I really want to outline. I'm just having a little trouble trying to figure out the best way to organize that. And maybe the answer is to not really organize it. Maybe the answer is just have a resource of games that I know I might want to talk about and then go from there. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm still working on that. I, I would normally like to have a, a outline earlier than this so I can share it with the other participant. Uh, but I've just been struggling to find direction, which is why I've been listening to those Retronaut podcasts, trying to figure out the best way to talk about an entire console's library. <laughs> so, so yeah. Anyways, thanks again for coming. OneControlPort.com is the website. I hope you have a great week. Bye.